Uh, welcome to New Life. My name is Young, lead pastor here at New Life, and it's my pleasure to uh, invite you in this morning. Uh, whether you're new or you know, you're a long time here at New Life, uh, we're glad you're here. As you heard from Daniel, we exist for the glory of God uh, in the gospel of grace. It's the good news of Jesus Christ that has saved us. Um, If you are new, it's especially a good time for you to come along, uh, particularly because we have our annual winter conference coming up. Um, WinterCon is a great chance to slow down, uh, to sharpen your focus on God once again, uh, to draw near to him, and also to get to know your church family a little bit better as well. So do make sure you sign up, uh, whether you're, you know, fairly young in age, whether you have a family, uh, we have a place for you at WinterCon. So we'd love to see you guys there. Now we're in the middle of a sermon series called Teach Us to Pray. Um, we've been looking at this model prayer from Matthew 6 that Jesus teaches his disciples for the last month or so. Um, I've benefited a lot in my study of the prayer from a pastor and a writer named Daryl Johnson. Uh, he wrote a book called 57 Words That Changed the World. He has some sermons and interviews available on YouTube as well um, if you wanted to go a bit deeper with this prayer and have a look at those resources. And today's sermon title is Mountaintop, as you can see on the screen in front of you. So we're looking at the final phrase in Matthew 6.10 today. And it reads this. On earth as it is in heaven. Let's take a moment to just meditate on this part of the phrase, this part of the verse, and then I'll lead us in prayer. Father, we want for our lives to be centered around you. Um, As we prayed in pre-service prayer, uh, we tend to be very visual people here on earth. We tend to see the next thing and go after that rather than thinking about the things above, the things beyond. We ask, Lord, that in our hearts, you would make it on earth as it is in heaven. Would you teach us what this phrase means as Jesus teaches his disciples? Would you show us, Lord, why this becomes the center of this prayer? Would you help us, Lord, to seek after you with our whole hearts? When we look at the world around us, when we look at our family, our friends, those who might not yet know you, or indeed our own hearts as they wander from you constantly, we desire for heavenly realities here now. Father, it's a work that only you can do, and so we turn to you again this morning. We ask, Lord, for your wisdom. We ask, Lord, for your leading by the Spirit in the words that have been prepared. We ask, Lord, that you would be with us in our hearing, that you would be with us in our receiving. Help our hearts to be receptive to you once again. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On earth as it is in heaven. 
When you read this verse this morning, when you hear that this is the verse that we're focusing on today, what goes through your mind on earth as it is in heaven? Like, what does this mean? You know, when I say, let's meditate on this verse, there's no real action, you know, in this phrase. And so it's a little bit harder to conceptualize, I think. It just seems nice, so I'll agree. You know, that's sometimes what goes through our minds when we think about this phrase. What is the point of on earth as it is in heaven? Why does this matter? Look at this world. You know, you have the Israel-Palestine conflict all over the news. You've got the COVID situation in India. Disparity between rich and poor. We need things to be on earth as it is in heaven. You look closer to home, a bit more on a personal scale, and you find broken relationships, our own struggles with sin, like that last song talked about, we're constantly wandering in our hearts. We find humanity's search for meaning in the face of all of this overwhelming mess. We need the reality of heaven here on this earth. We need for our Father in heaven's name to be honored as holy here on earth as it is in heaven. Only then will his way take hold of us. We need our Father's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Only then will his values make sense to us. We need our Father's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And only then is this life gonna make sense and have meaning beyond just our living here. Our sermon series has been building to this crescendo on earth as it is in heaven. This point, this phrase appears in the center of the model prayer that Jesus teaches us. As a center point, it's the point of emphasis. And also, it's the point that other parts of the prayer draw their central meaning from. This is why our sermon series image contains the clouds representing heaven and then the mountains below representing earth with the words, teach us to pray mirrored downwards. When we take on earth as it is in heaven, and look back over the last few weeks in light of this central phrase, we're gonna find that there's added depth to our prayers. As we continue this series, the coming weeks of prayer will also receive an even greater context because of the center point. Not only this, but each phrase also corresponds across to the mirroring side, and they're gonna draw deeper meaning from each other as well. So what I'm talking about here, it's a little bit harder to explain in just words, right? This structure with a central focal point and its mirroring supporting points, it has a name, chiasm, or a chiastic structure. This is a bit of a slightly foreign concept for us. When we grow up in the West, we tend to think mostly in a straight line. A chiastic structure, encourages us to think in a bit of a greater than symbol. Okay, you can think of it that way. 
So as part of the culture of the day, this way of thinking wasn't foreign to the people of this time. And so um, there's a little bit of a diagram that you can look at here. For teaching to come in this way, it was fairly natural. For us, the point of emphasis or the main idea is at the very end of a line of thinking, right? We get to the point. We even have that phrase that we say to each other very lovingly, right? Get to the point. In a chiastic structure, the point of emphasis or the main idea is in the middle, as you can see, at the X, and then we come back. Now, I understand this is a bit academic. It's Sunday morning, 10.30. So stay with me here. If you start getting a little bit sleepy, it's a little bit nice and warm in here, stand up and stretch a bit, pinch your thigh, pinch the person next to you, do what you got to do. In a chiastic structure, each side has corresponding points which look to and draw from the point of emphasis. So A draws from X, right? So the end of that point, it gets meaning from it. But then on the other side as well, the corresponding side, there's A on both sides, right? Because it draws meaning from the other side as well. Each of them point towards X and each of them draw meaning from X. It's possible for us to think in this way. Now, we don't realize it, we think we get to the point at the end of a line of thought, like I said, right? But we do tend to think in these terms sometimes. Okay, I was just up in the mountains you know, with my family and I was thinking about this. You know, here's a visual example and it might be helpful to think of it in this way. We don't have mountains that look like this too much in Australia, right? But, you know, stay with me. This is what I think of when I think of mountains. So imagine with me that you're going to hike up in the mountains. Some of you guys like hiking, right? And you've heard about this nearby mountain that has one of the most amazing summits. The very top of the mountain has this incredible view. Everyone's telling you about it. You know, people that love hiking, Calvin's telling you all about it. And, oh man, this place at the very top, you gotta go there. Best view ever. So your goal at that point is, let's get to the top of that mountain, right? Now you get to the base of this mountain and you notice there's only one path up. They don't have multiple paths, okay? There's only one path up. At the top of the mountain, you're gonna have this incredible view and then the path continues on the other side, goes back down and heads towards a small town on the other side. Now, as you head up the path on the mountain, you come across a hiker taking a photo. You know, he's got this nice camera, taking a photo, and you follow where his camera is pointing and you see this big rushing waterfall and looking over at you, he tells you he loves taking photos of beautiful things in nature. He's telling you all about this. You didn't ask, but he's telling you anyway. You wonder if he's here because he also heard that the view at the top of the mountain is one of the most beautiful ever. You're still thinking about the mountaintop and you're associating what this hiker is saying about this beautiful thing with the end of your journey. Continuing up the mountain, you see a flock of sheep. They look white and fluffy. One of them looks up at you, bleats as if to greet you, and you look past them and you see this little cabin. And you think, man, whoever lives there probably came here, moved here, because the view from the mountaintop is so nice that he wanted to be near it constantly. As you continue along, 
you know, the steeper part of the mountain path, you see this huge tree. There's a big, big tree. Sun is shining directly onto it, making it look like it's on fire or something. You've never described a tree like this before, but if you had to think of one word to describe this tree, you would say majestic. This is a majestic tree. And as amazing as this tree looks, you know at the end of the day that it's going to pale in comparison to the view from the mountaintop. Because otherwise, people would have told you, climb this mountain, stop at the tree, come back. Don't worry about the mountaintop. So you keep thinking, I'm going to keep going. Finally, after quite some time, you reach the top of the summit and you look around at the landscape. It's incredible. You breathe in the crisp air. You look off as far as I can see. It's beautiful. You can't help but yell because the view is so amazing and glorious. You've heard from Korean people as Hezun that they yell Yahoo or whatever. And so you go to the top and you do the same thing, feel a little bit embarrassed. And you know that the hike up the mountain has led to this point and it was worth it. This was the entire reason that you came to this mountain. And after taking some time, taking some photos, you start heading down the other side, the path down. You're getting hungry, so you think, all right, I'm going to keep going, head to the town. And on the way down, you pass a bit of a small, scraggly-looking tree, this one here. And you think, wait a minute, this reminds me of something. On the other side of the mountain was this big, majestic tree. What's going on with this tree? Why is it so dead-looking? And you can't help but compare the two. And you wonder if maybe the mountaintop itself has something to do with the way that the different trees have grown. Maybe the shadow cast from the sun on this side is killing this tree. It's never going to grow very large. You continue on. Continuing down the path, you're greeted by a man. He's supposed to be holding a crook and a bag full of groceries, but that is very hard to find in stock images. So. You'll have to use your imagination a little bit here. Now, who will be carrying a crook or a shepherd's staff? He must be the shepherd of the flock of sheep that you saw on the other side, that you saw earlier. You look at his groceries and you wonder, man, does this guy have to hike to the other side, to that small town, ascend the mountain and descend again every time he needs some necessities? You think about this and you think about the mountaintop again. And as the ground begins to level out, you see this incredibly vibrant, colorful field of flowers. It's going to come in a moment. You're still walking. So you see this field of flowers. You'll have to imagine it for a moment until you know, we get the technical issue sorted out. Let's say that you see this vibrant field of flowers. What do you think of? There it is. You think of the hiker that you met on the other side at the beginning of the journey up on the mountain. He told you he loves to take pictures of beautiful things in nature. And you wonder, is he going to continue on from the top of the mountain down to here and take a photo of these flowers as well? You start thinking about these things and you keep thinking about that mountaintop. And you keep thinking about these things corresponding to the other side. Now, do you see how each thing that you passed on the way up to the mountaintop corresponds to the other thing that you saw on the way down from the mountain? 
Do you see how every part also points to and draws meaning from the end? The central thing, the mountaintop. This is what a chiasm looks like. This is what a chiastic structure looks like. So in our passage today, and for the entire prayer in Matthew 6, there's this chiastic structure that gives perspective and depth to what we're praying about. We've talked about the Father's name being honored as holy, and on the other side, we know that the prayer is gonna end with temptation. One of the greatest temptations that we face is the evil one's plans, Satan's plans to cause us to doubt. Doubt God, dishonor his name. We've looked at the kingdom, the Father's kingdom, and what's more central to his kingdom than forgiveness? Forgiveness between people. Forgiveness between humanity and God. We've looked at the Father's will and how that's done here on earth. And his will is to provide for his people the fullness of life, providence of daily bread, that we may be blessed to be a blessing. And all of this is to bring onto earth as it is in heaven. This is the center of the prayer for a reason. It's a good description of Jesus' ministry as well, on earth as it is in heaven. To heal the sick, because there's no sickness in heaven. To raise from death, for there's no death in heaven. To bring reconciliation between God and humanity, because we live in relational harmony with God in heaven. In the beginning, we had all of these things. We walked in harmony with God in the mountaintop garden. No sickness, no death, only God's grace, giving us every good thing. And yet we turned away from him. So the temptation then was as it is in this prayer as well, to doubt God's goodness, to dishonor him, discredit what he had said about keeping ourselves from the forbidden tree, and instead we reached for it, taking the fruit. And humanity's fall was great. We've looked at this in the past, right? It's far reaching through the generations as our evil ways, they didn't know any bounds. Sin took hold of our hearts, and we were lost. And yet even here, we see God's grace providing for us at every turn, not abandoning us to ourselves. Father, Son, and Spirit agreed on the plan of redemption in eternity for the Son to carry out this plan of redemption, to bring heaven on earth through becoming truly human. Jesus is on earth as it is in heaven. He's the Son of God walking in flesh and blood. So in teaching us to pray this prayer, in teaching his disciples to pray this prayer, Jesus teaches us to know him. He teaches us about his identity. And this prayer also points forward to what must happen on the cross. So in grace, God provides his plan of redemption, bringing honor to his name on earth by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Look with me at the way that Jesus lives here on earth, doing what, he, what we could not Look with me at Matthew 4, 
It'll be on the screen as well. Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and angels came and began to serve him. So even as Satan tries to tempt the Son of God, casting doubt on his identity, telling him to doubt his father at his word, Jesus refuses. He's delivered from the evil one. And this brings holy honor to the Father's name on earth as it is in heaven. He fulfills what we could not, standing in our place. And the Father brings the kingdom onto earth as it is in heaven in Jesus' ministry, giving us a glimpse into what it will look like in the new Jerusalem. Everywhere Jesus goes, things are turned upside down. Sickness flees, death is no more, Social walls are broken down in order to bring reconciliation. Even in that first temptation, why does it happen at the top of a mountain so similar to what happened in the Garden of Eden? Why? For the sake of forgiveness, that we may be forgiven. And through this, as we receive forgiveness, that we might forgive one another as we're forgiven in the Father, on earth as it is in heaven. Do you recognize that the need of this world is for God's heavenly realities here on earth? And do you recognize your own need as well? The Father's will is carried out on earth as it is in heaven, in Jesus, as we see all of these things happen by his providence through his Son. He does what we couldn't, and the prayer makes this abundantly clear as we ask the Father to do what only he can. Remember what we talked about in week one. This is the daily bread that we're provided with here on earth as it is in heaven. The spiritual bread of life, the true manna from heaven that we need more than the daily physical sustenance that he gives us, that he lovingly provides us with as well. We're given mercies anew each day, We have grace renewed in our hearts again and again as we receive the gospel of grace and turn back in confession and repentance with each stumble and fall. For all of us, until the day the kingdom arrives in its fullness, Jesus is the hope 
that we continue to live in. He's the Father's kingdom breaking in, coming onto earth as it is in heaven. And this is why the center of this prayer is on earth as it is in heaven. The mountaintop that's pointed to and drawn from. This is why the prayer itself appears at the center of the Sermon on the Mount in the collection of sayings where Jesus describes what happens when the kingdom comes on earth and takes hold of us. And this is also why it's at this point in the prayer that there's a movement. You'll notice this movement from your name, your kingdom, your will to give us, forgive us, deliver us. It goes from you to us. We're called upon as sons and daughters of our great father to participate with his beloved son in bringing heaven on earth. This is beautiful love that we actually get included in this. There's no differentiation that the father shows between his only begotten son and his many adopted sons and daughters. We're included in bringing heaven's throne room reality to our surroundings, that God's name would be honored as holy, that we participate with him in making his kingdom realize, in seeing his will being done, that we would depend fully on him for our daily needs, that we would recognize our need for forgiveness, and because of this, we'd extend forgiveness to those around us, that we would see that we can't stand the trial on our own And so we look to the Father for help. In all of this, we see that we need the Father to do it because we can't on our own. And his grace to us is that this prayer, in this prayer, we not only look to the good news as it was carried out in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, but we also participate in sharing this life-giving news with others that we might open up our family so that they can enter in being called just as we were, his sons and daughters as well. When we pray this prayer, we participate in bringing heaven on earth. So we recognize first that we need God to do this because this mess is our doing and we can't clean it on our own. And so we pray on earth as it is in heaven, trusting in the Father. I ask you now, won't you join with me in praying this prayer in order to participate with the Father in bringing onto earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we are a visual people And a lot of the time we tend to be practical people as well. We love to run ahead of you or to think that we're running ahead of you and try to do before we try to be. Lord, what you teach us when you tell us to pray on earth as it is in heaven It feels very conceptual, it feels very abstract at times, and yet you want that abstraction to be the basis for our lives. Just as 
your son was here on this earth as he is in heaven. We want for our lives to make sense on this earth, only in the context of heaven, only in the context of who you are and what you've done for us. And so we turn to you and we ask, Lord, make our lives this prayer to you that as we pray on earth as it is in heaven, our hearts would transform, that we would receive your kingdom values, that we be able to see everything honoring you as your will is done here. You are a great provider, our great father, the one who loves us, the one who has never taken his grace away from us, even in our wrongdoing, even in our betrayal of who you are, our dishonoring of your name, you still continue to lovingly provide for us and you still do so now. And so we ask here that you would provide new mercies and new grace in a way that we can understand it. Commit our hearts to you again, God. Help us to turn to you. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our iniquities and help us, Lord, to forgive those around us. We don't want to be unforgiving people because that makes us unrepentant people. Would you bless us as well, Lord, as we face trials here now and in the days to come. Keep us from those trials, keep us from those temptations, even as the evil one tries to pull us in. But if we are to face those temptations, we ask that you would deliver us, just as we know that you've already done in your son, Jesus. So we turn to you, God, and we ask that you make those heavenly realities real here on earth in our lives and the lives of those around us. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name.